hello and thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast of Pastor Joe McGarry. This week, June 11th, 2018, we celebrate the third Sunday of Pentecost. The gospel lesson for this Sunday is from Matthew chapter 3. Gospel according to Mark chapter 3. Jesus went home, and the crowd came together again, so that Jesus and the disciples could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He had Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons, as he cast out demons. And he called to them and said, and he spoke to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against him and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brother came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called to him. A crowd was standing around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week I mentioned the Bible reading challenge that I have begun to read the Bible in 90 days. And I mentioned last week that what I found is that the Bible moves pretty quickly from one event and one story to another. And that happens again in today's gospel lesson. First, the crowd arrives at Jesus' house. They are looking for him. They are searching for him. They are swarming around him at every turn. And the crowd does not speak in today's reading, but, and they don't express any worries, but they suggest that they want more of Jesus. They want more of what he's offering to them. They want more of this message of, of love and grace from God. They want more of this, the healing that he has brought to them. And second, his family arrives. 
His family arrives and they are worried. They want to take Jesus with them. They, they hear what he has been doing and the things that he has been saying. And they know what is at risk. And they know that he has upset many people with power. So they want to take him and they want to protect him. And third is the scribes and the Pharisees have come to Jesus. They are eager to offer their explanation for his power. The scribes have the crowds wondering about Jesus. His family is afraid for him. The religious leaders are against him. But Jesus continues to do what God has called him to do. You know, one of the reasons why everyone is so worried is because Jesus is talking about and, and, and explaining what the kingdom of God is. And he's doing this by calling his disciples, by casting out demons and evil spirits, by doing healing on the Sabbath. And and when he approached a leper, he wasn't put off by a leper, but he embraced him. He showed him love and grace. Which means his vision for the kingdom of God is rooted in this idea of inclusivity. That neither religious custom or social issue is going to stop him from doing what is right in the eyes of God. He's offering everyone abundant life. So when we start to talk about the kingdom of God, we need to know uh, and have a vision of what we are talking about. What does the kingdom of God look like to you? Now, if we were to to talk to each one of us individually and, and say, what is the kingdom of God to you? We might have all different ideas, which is okay. But we need to know how we experience ministry, how we can further the gospel of love. As you may know, I am uh, celebrating 10 years of ordained ministry this year. And about eight of those years, I've had a privilege of being a part of uh, this ministry team, this ministry group, where each month we sit down, uh, a number of clergy in the area, and we talk about the, the joys and the struggles of ministry. We talk about how, uh, what is our vision of the kingdom of God and how does that relate to the things that we do in our church. And we have a, what we call a ministry coach who sits down and helps coaches us through this experience. And there was one person in, in one of these groups who described the kingdom of God as Gracious hospitality and a wide welcome that was inclusive to everyone. So when this person was asked, well, can you expand upon that? What does that really mean? And she said that it's more than just having ushers and greeters as people enter the worship space on a Sunday morning. It's more than having cookies and cheese and crackers in the fellowship hour following worship. It's truly meeting people where they are, accepting any and all who have an interest in learning more about God's kingdom. It's responding to all needs, no matter who is asking, 
when they are asking, or how they ask. And she says it sounds simple enough, but it's hard to do. This, this love and acceptance of everyone, it really makes people mad sometimes. And the reason it makes people mad is because loving and a person, no matter who they are or where they come from, it sometimes it doesn't seem fair. This really starts in the beginning, right? With Adam and Eve and this knowledge that they desperately want when the serpent offers it to them. There's this something that's called good and evil that Adam and Eve don't know about. And when the serpent says, there's this piece of information that you don't know about that God is keeping from you. And if you want it, if you need it, you can obtain it just by eating this piece of fruit. There's this weakness that they start to feel that needs to be met. And when they suddenly have it, they realize that they are naked and afraid. And, and when God confronts them and, and they, each of them says, it wasn't me, it was them. It wasn't me, it was, it was them. They start to take matter into their own hands. And this insecurity starts to grow within them. They begin to defend themselves. And they begin to alienate God. They begin to alienate themselves from each other and all of creation. So when we read in the gospel lesson that these crowds start to form around Jesus, these religious authorities are coming to Jesus. Even his own family goes to Jesus. They start to judge him on his gracious hospitality, on his love and acceptance for everyone. They begin to be concerned. Because who does that? Who loves everyone unconditionally? Who reaches out to the undesirable? Jesus does. So, like I said, over these years, I've talked about and thought about and prayed about what does the kingdom of God look like for me? And there are three really important things when I think about my idea of the kingdom of God. First, this idea of naming and being named. Names are important to me. To really begin to truly know someone, you need to know their name. And this idea that that God knows our name, our individual name, is also important to me. And and that's why Isaiah 43 is one of my favorite Bible verses. But now, thus says the Lord, who has created you, O Jacob, who has formed you, O Israel, do not be afraid. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. The second thing that is important to me is this idea of of family and community. Once you begin to learn someone's name and and learn about an individual, you start to build a relationship with them. You start to be in community with them. This is why worship for me is so important because each week we gather together as a community of faith. We gather together to love one another, to support one another on our faith journey. And it is here in this place that we, we, we grow 
in, in relationship to one another and in relationship to God. It is here in this place that we see a vision of the future. A vision where we can come together as one. And lastly, the kingdom of God is important to me when we talk about listening to God. Listening to God and being receptive to what God is calling us to do. See, we, we, we have an idea of each other's names. We, we name those things that are, are joyful for us and that are hurtful for us. And in that, in that we form a community, a family. And then we also listen to God. Have a conversation with God. Again, that conversation happens here in church as we pray together, as we read Scripture together, as we sing together, as we have the, the communion together at the table, the body and the blood, the bread and the wine. And then when we leave, we continue in that relationship with God. We listen to God. We discern what God is calling us to do through prayer, through our own Scripture reading. Knowing what God is calling us to do as individuals and as a community is vitally important to our faith. Because then we can cast out a a vision, a, a direction of where we are going. And we can experience the fullness of God's grace and love. Because when we feel that love, when we experience that love ourselves, it is then that we are empowered to go out and share that love with the world. I saw this play out over this weekend at the New England Synod uh, Assembly. So every, every year, uh, all 180 churches send representatives and, and, and pastors to the New England Synod Assembly, which is a one to three day event. And uh, there's some fun and some fellowship during that time, but there's also a, a lot of important business that, that happens during this event. And every six years, we elect a new bishop. And six years ago, we elected Jim Hazelwood, who has been our bishop for the New England Synod, and in my opinion, has done a wonderful job as bishop, and I really enjoy uh, Pastor Hazelwood as or Bishop Hazelwood as our bishop. And again, this year we, we were up, he was up for, for re-election. But also during that time, uh, anybody, any, any ordained pastor in uh, the ELCA can be put up as bishop. In the first ballot, you can write down any pastor's name. So this year, there's probably 20 or 30 people who were put up, and then the top seven um, vote getters move on to the next round. And you keep moving on to the next round until someone is elected. So I stood there and I watched the top seven of those who were put up for election as bishop. And one thing that really struck out to me, uh, stuck out to me was that there were a number of uh, diversity factors of the people who were put up to be bishop. There were both male and female. There were both older folks and younger folks. Some, I think the youngest was in their mid-20s. 
There, there were people who have been established pastors at large congregations. And, and there was an individual there who is part of a mission start. And there was there was majority of the people were, were um, white, but there was also a person of color. There's also a person who um, identified as, as gay who was part of um, the, t- the top seven vote-getters. Some had adult children. Some had young children. I think the youngest was uh, one of the individuals had a, a child who was only seven months old. And what I heard from each candidate, you know, they all had different ministry experiences and viewpoints, but what I heard uh, were, were really two things that were coming from, from their speeches as they, as they gave them. The first was a message of God's love and grace. The importance for us as the people of God, as congregations throughout the New England Synod, to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. And, and one of the candidates uh, gave this, this example of, of not to, you know, sometimes we try to be the attractional model of a church. You know, the type of church that that on Easter Sunday, come to church and you may win a new car and, and learn about Jesus. Or, or come and, and, and listen to this edgy uh, uh, sermon series that we're going to begin this week. But really what we as a Lutheran church are being called to do is to be the hands and feet, to do the work of Christ in the world. To do the work of the gospel. And, and we do that not trying to be in an attractional church, but doing that through radical hospitality. To live out in our daily lives the things that we read in Scripture. That, and not limiting God to those who already know Him, but to spread that love to everyone we meet. And that's the kind of, of love and that's the message that we want to, to share with the world as we uh, declare loudly both inside and outside the church that God is a God of love. The second thing that I heard them say is for us as a church not only to live the love and grace but also to to uh, be a church that is accepting of everyone. To be the church that opens our doors and says, it doesn't matter if you are, uh, are homeless. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what your sexuality is. It doesn't matter who you are. You are welcome here. It doesn't matter if you're married or divorced. It doesn't matter if you are single. It doesn't matter if you have kids. You are welcome here. Because so many times we try to put a condition on that. We have this idea of of a person who we want to be sitting in our pews, but the message that I heard was that we, as a church, are open to all. And perhaps the predicament which the scribes find themselves in in today's gospel, is not that they were doing anything wrong, but they were talking about and living out a long and faithful 
tradition of service to God and to the people of God. And this is a service that, that Jesus says is no longer valid because God is bigger than that. God's love is all-inclusive. Jesus was more interested in building relationships than doing things the right way. He's more interested in meeting the needs of the people, even on the Sabbath. He's, he's more interested in welcoming all, even those who might be excluded by certain religious traditions and customs. And as he does all of this, he points directly back to God. He, he says that, that God is the one who gives him power and authority to, to love and serve all people. And that is the same God that does exciting, new and exciting things in our lives. God has set before us a challenge to come together and to re-examine how we do ministry in a world where we see the kingdom of God among us. Now, wherever we end up thinking about our, our ministry, God promises to be there with us and for us. God promises never to leave us or abandon us because God loves us that much which is a message we remember as we work through the joys and the struggles of our lives and of the church. Thanks be to God. Amen.